36 years of basketball knowledge and life skills. Your host, Coach Goins, focuses on today's topics on and off the court, helping players and coaches achieve their goals. So get ready for another fast break episode of Basketball More Than a Game with your host, Coach Goins. Hey, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another fast break episode of Basketball More in the Game. And I'm your host, Coach Going. Say, Coach, what's popping? Hey, you know what? The uh, series right now is uh, Golden State 2, uh, LeBron and the Cavs 0. But you know what? That's for uh, another day, another time. So you say, Coach, what's going on? Hey, you know what? I'm not in the studio. I'm out at a remote location. And right now we're going to, first of all, before we tell you and let the cat out of the bag who we got on the hook for today's episode, we got to make sure that we pay the bills that keep us on air. So we want to thank our title sponsor, and that's Mr. Curtis Jackson, your independent insurance agent out of the great state of North Carolina. So for your insurance needs, please reach out to Curtis at area code 919-614-5796 and make sure that you let him know. And when you call him, uh, please let him know that you heard about him from basketball more in the game. We appreciate him and his staff for his continued support of this great podcast. Listen, we also want to make sure that you can check us out on the following uh, sites, and you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbeam.com, Facebook, Lionfish Entertainment, my website at CoachGoins.Podbeam.com, and also my YouTube channel, Coach Lamont Goins. So, Coach, what's popping? Hey, listen, we've got a, you know what? We are outside the box. We are in – we're actually going to be in the ring. You say, Coach, in the ring? We're going to be in the ring. So, you know what? We have the great uh, pleasure uh, to welcome to today's episode, Basketball More in the Game, Mr. Terry Kent. Terry, welcome to Basketball More in the Game. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know what? Not a problem. Say, Coach, man, what's popping? You know, we're going to be coming from the top turnbuckle. We're going to be we're gonna be coming underneath the ring. We're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, wrestling. You know what? And a lot of people said, wrestling? Say, Coach, man, what, you, what are you doing? Say, you know what? You know how it is. You know how we get down here on basketball more in the game. We are open to all and everything. And, again, it, the most important thing we really want to capture today is not just the wrestling, but the, the person that's on the other side of the mic opposite of me today, and that's a great friend of mine, Mr. Terry Kent. So we're going to be getting into that. But before we do, we want to definitely thank all of our subscribers across uh, the United States as well as our international uh, partners. And we definitely, again, excited about uh, going into Russia two weeks ago. We just picked up Turkey uh, this past week. So, you know, that puts us in Australia, Japan, Sweden, United Arab Emirates, uh, United Kingdom, Finland, Germany, Netherlands, Canada, Dominican Republic, New Zealand, Albania, Germany, Ireland, Kuwait, Tunisia, Vietnam, Ghana, and France. So, you know what, as we continue to, to span the globe, and I'm going to go ahead and call out these couple states in the, in the U.S., uh, we're going to call out uh, New Hampshire. We're going to call out uh, South Dakota and Montana. So if you know anybody in those three states, tell them to get out, you know, they, they, they shake it or lose, get them cobwebs out and dial in basketball more in the game. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate all of the support, and we appreciate everybody that, you know, hits us up and, and tells us that uh, they like what we're doing. So, hey, today we're going to get right on in the thick of things. So you say, you know what, Coach, who's Terry Kent? So, listen, let me tell you who this uh, this young man is. Uh, now, he is a dynamic uh, individual you know, from all spans of uh, – you know, the globe, and he is, uh, you know, just a great friend of mine, and he just had the honor and privilege in the last couple uh, years just working with him closely in, in our ministry here uh, in Virginia and just had the opportunity to actually break bread with him last week on the project that he was working on and, and through that dialogue, and, and I know he's a huge wrestling fan, so had that, uh, you know, and you know what, sometimes it's all about timing, so today we're just going to you know, open it up and talk about the passion. So the first part of the podcast, we call it the fast break. 
And the fast break today is going to be talking about his passion, uh, other than uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but his passion is, you know, the love of the, the, the sport of wrestling. Uh, so you'll be hearing from him. So, Terry, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and just kick it over to you. And if you don't mind, you know, tell us how did it come about? When did you start? When did you start watching wrestling? When did you and you know, when did you pick up the passion for the for the sport? I think the year was 1963. Um, I would say I was in diapers, but that'd be a lie. Uh, <laughs> I was around age eight, seven, and um, I was turning surfing the channels. And there I saw a match that caught my attention. I'd seen it before, but this one captured me for life. It was the uh, the Mass Bolos against the Kentuckians. They usually have jobber matches on TV where it's always you know who's going to win in advance. But right. this was a no disqualification, no time limit on TV. Anything goes. There, it ended up with all four of them being bloodied and the Bolos having their masks about 85% torn off trying to have an interview with the announcer holding up scraps of their mask on their face so they wouldn't be um, their identity known to the public. And uh, that captured me. From that day forward, it was the battle of good versus evil, uh, the good guy and bad guys, the personalities. Um, it just captured me. And from that day forward, I was pretty much a wrestling fan for life with uh, you and I were talking before we went on air with Uncle Bob Cottle at a WREL, Raleigh, North Carolina. That's right, the great state of Raleigh. So, of course, of, uh, all, all you folks know that Coach Goins is, you know, uh, from North Carolina and just uh, south of Raleigh. But that, it, when, when Terry brings that up, I think about my late brother, and, and he was a huge wrestling fan. Uh, and how we used to stay up on Saturday night at 11:30 when that would come on, and and before we came on the air today, with Terry and I were you know laughing and talking that how Uncle Bob Carter would, you know, we call it the stop sign. He'd raise his hand up and about 12:30 when it was get ready to sign off, and and of course if he always had that super title match, you would never catch the end of it because he'd say tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen. So, but you no, know, here's the thing, Terry. Where I really want to, our listeners to. You know, to re to really to dial into it. So when you you said you were going through the channels and, and you saw the bolos and the, and the Kentuckians. So from there, what just I mean, what made you what just made you lock in to just to say, man, this is this is such a great you know a great sport. And I just was it the was it the beatdowns or was it just the costumes? I mean, what really just you know intrigued you? All of it. Uh, mainly, I think the angle, like I said good versus evil okay. there was always the good guy and the bad guy and you could always most people in those days lived through the uh good guys and uh you know you maybe you had a uh, bad time at work that week or you got some bad relatives or whatever you could always root for the good guy and knocking out the bad guy and so you kind of lived vicariously through uh the good guys Okay. Of course, after a while, you kind of got to like some of the bad guys, which ended up being good guys, which ended up being bad guys, which ended up being good guys. But that never bothered you. It was exciting to watch. You know what? How about that, folks? So, you know, you're hearing none other than uh, Terry Kent right here, and we're doing this show at Victory Worship Center and uh, World Outreach. Uh, actually, it's in Stanton, Virginia. So if you're in the looking for a great church place, uh, you know, stop by on Sunday mornings at uh, 8, 30, and 10, 30, and I guarantee you, you will be blessed. So, Terry, before we get any further, just go ahead and you know, let's just kind of talk about who you are. 
and uh, and and where I know you're you're originally from, you know, Waynesboro, Virginia. And, and you know what, folks, if you if you're talking about wrestling, you're talking about you know the latest and greatest. I think this guy has seen more movies probably than Steven Spielberg. He's probably been in more movies than Denzel Washington has ever cared to be in. But no, Terry, he he just has a wealth of knowledge. You know, a lot of times, you know, you find people as you go through life, you know, that really just you know kind of just. Uh, Almost like a one-way street type of guy, you know. Just but when you sit down and you talk to Terry, you know, he he's got buckets and and he's done a lot of things in his life. So if you don't mind, Terry, if you can kind of just share the with, with our audience and you know, just you know how you know who you are and just you know wh- you know what you enjoy doing and you know, just give us a, the the day in the life of Terry Kent. Well, Coach, this morning I just it just hit me, came up in my spirit life. I said, how can I sum up, you know? What I want to emphasize in today's show possibly is your dreams can come true. Yes, sir. Everything in my life that I've ever wanted, it has come to pass. Not necessary right away, but over time, uh, one major point, so I don't leave it out later, you never know. I just count it fortunate, like yours and my life has intersected, how our lives intersect with people a lot of times you never, ever dream how they're going to affect your life later. And so always be good to everybody on the way up, and you never know how they're going to help you. I, uh, Your dreams can come true is, is what I feel that I should get across today. I was thinking about how can I sum this up, and I thought about something that took place about 80 years ago on July 4th, 1939, Yankee Stadium with over 60,000 people there, Lou Gehrig got up to the microphone and says, today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And and Coach, I just feel so blessed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to not be godly on every single statement here, but God means the most in my life. So uh, I just... Here's a scripture, Psalms 37 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay. I feel like that's my life story. He's given the desires of my heart. Uh, Matthew 6 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and, and all these things will come to you. Um, everything I've touched, everything He's led me into, in my opinion, has turned gold. Not everybody on the outside looking in would say that, but I think it's turned gold. I, um, I uh, was fortunate to travel for 10 years full-time nationally, got to minister in 24 different states. I got to sing with a full-time gospel group that was considered for a Grammy Award in 1985. Um, I am now head of a uh, Facebook wrestling group that has almost 34,000 members. Wow. Um, it's, I've had a few podcasts with that. I've had, the Lord has just blessed me um, in so many different areas. Just to give you a total idea of how we can go from one side to the other. Okay. These have meant a lot in my life. Maybe someone will connect with that out there in the listening audience. There was a time I loved baseball cards. Several times in my life, the Lord has allowed me to. Uh, end up collecting cards that go back to 1904, have Babe Ruth cards, have Lou Gehrig cards, wow. Ty Cobb cards. Um, I've, I'm now, the Lord's blessing me in my older age. This is going to be dumb to some. Others will connect that I know will be listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm now starting uh, have a pretty good collection of old wrestling magazines. The first one ever came out in the 50s and the 60s. Um, there was a favorite wrestler of mine that later on will 
talk and touch your base about a, a wrestling game um, that I invented and, and it went national. Um, there was a wrestler by the name of Fred Blassie that was more known for the in the West Coast. He, no, he got noted in the East Coast with Vince McMahon as a manager, but he was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. They told me video wasn't available of him. It was impossible to get it, but I kept believing. Just something small, I'm saying, but your dreams can come true. I kept believing, and now I have several videos of Fred Blassie in, in his heyday. They told me it couldn't happen. I don't take no for an answer. How about that? Um I've been an MC at a sold-out pro wrestling match. Uh, I've had three different radio shows, including um, one, The Movie Guy, live and on the air, talking Ooh. about movies. Uh, I've promoted gospel singing when I was age 22. I've pr promoted professional wrestling matches at Augusta Expo, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I've had a top 10% movie store for Movie Gallery before they decided to go bankrupt twice. And, uh, and and that included even me being out of the store three months at a time that the Lord gave me good training to give them, and they um, stayed the top 10% in the, in the nation, even though I was out of the store three months of the year uh, at a time, training other managers in other states. Um, I took a tax business that didn't hardly do anything for four years. The Lord helped me, and it grew to two offices and over a 1,000 clients. I had an office in Waynesboro, Virginia, and one in Crozet, Virginia. Um, the blessings just go on and on. Um, you want to interrupt me? No, no. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, but you know what? Sometimes, you know, folks, you got to understand, you know, and one thing about it is I'm going to have to steal shamelessly uh, from my pastor, you know, uh, Ray Everett. As he says, uh, if you don't toot your own horn, sometimes it doesn't get tooted. And that's what it's about. So I hope you're able to, to understand and, and why we have Terry Kent on the show today and, and why it's important that you understand where he's coming from is, uh, you know, is, you know, the Lord will bless you. You got. You have to understand. You have to. Number one, you've got to. You know, follow him. You got to. You got to be led by the spirit. You know, just like me. I mean, just take take the podcast. You know, who would have told me that today makes the 60, 62nd episode? Wow. And who would have told me? You know, a year ago that we'd be in in twenty one countries. Uh, you know, and and somebody said what? And I go, yeah. I mean, every time I you know, just like yesterday, I go on and and find that we're in Turkey, and I look, and you know, we've got five people, you know, that's you know, downloaded the show in Russia, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? And then be able to have one of my former players do a show with me once every month, you know. So it's an honor. It's an honor to be able to, to come on and have gentlemen like Terry and, and then our former guest that's been on the show. So listen, as you talk about, I want to I want to drill down on one of these that I think a lot of times, you know, people uh, people overlook, and that's that's training. And as, as Terry, you know, as he camped out, and I really asked him to, to kind of spend a little time here, as he's talking about training, think about it. He, was, he had one of the top stores in the, in the country, am I right? In top, top 10%. Top 10% in the country, but yet it, it did that. It's not because he was in the store, and he called it out a couple of times. It's not because he was in the store. It's because he, he, he reproduced himself. He replicated himself, so he was able to move out and go help other, you know, other people, uh, you know, train and, and become efficient. So, tell me if you don't mind, share a little bit of that secret. What do you, what do you think the passion? What caused you to be able to, to go and have it at, you know, ten percent in the nation, and then your, you know, your uh, senior staff able to, to take a look and say, you know, what we need to do, we need to bring that out. We got to get Terry outside of that box, and 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 replicate that. 
across the platforms. Like you said, you're in multiple states. So you know, if you don't mind, sh- share a little insight on, on your training piece and what do you what what do you think made that so successful? A lot of failing before. Okay. You learn the hard way. Um, I used to think that you had to be the person with all the answers and know it all, and you felt under pressure all the time. And then the day I realized the more you surround yourself with uh, excellence, um, quality, that's the, one of the first biggest pieces. I had people that were making $35,000, $40,000 jobs find themselves off work for a season in their life. I hired those people. I knew the people. I knew they were quality people. They only stayed with me sometimes three, four months, left three or four months, came back to me three or four months later. I had quality people that when I left, I knew they knew as much as I did, if not more, and they definitely probably got along with the workers better than I did And because uh, I, I used to get uptight and just want to do the best so so much that sometimes I, I was uh, not enjoying the road, the trip. And... Um, so I, I, hiring the right people is the, first, is the first and most important thing. And realizing that they're going to end up making you look good, you right. know, is what it boils down to. Is You want, you want the, the store to be the best representing you, but representing the company you're uh, employed by. And um, it's, it, it is going over the things that I thought was important in true customer service, not where you're yelling across the store, hi to someone and not even looking at them and, it's, it's, you know, the little small things such as people can tell when you're real and when they're not. Right. And I tried to teach be real, you know, and look them in the eye and say, you know, we're really glad to see you today. Thanks for your business, et cetera. You know what? So, hey, you know what? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this a step further. You know, coaches that's, that's dialing in and you players, listen to what uh, Terry was, was calling out there. He, as he said, he surrounded himself with wise counsel. So we're going to look at the Proverbs process. So you coaches, when you're out looking to hire assistant coaches, you know, make sure that you get somebody on your staff that's, you know, that, that can challenge the process. You know, make sure you're looking for that guy that can be you know, the next you know, up-and-coming head coach. You know, always surround yourself with players and, and, and not just, excuse me, always surround yourself with coaches that's going to push you as a head coach. And then, of course, you know, players will fall in line. But anybody that's in that staff that you have control over to, to hire, you definitely don't want to, you know, you know, hire down. You know, you want to hire up and you want to make sure that those people are challenging you and pushing the envelope. And you just don't want everybody to agree with you uh, or think like you just be- And then guess what? And then you'll be settling for uh, mediocrity. So I certainly appreciate you know, Terry, you you drilling down on that. So let's talk about you know. I want to I want to kind of if you don't mind, I want to kind of jump into you know a little bit more of this wrestling piece. You know, because you know, I'm kind of a okay. wrestling, a wrestling guru. <laughs> um, you know, somewhat if I can say Ooh. that as I, as I sit across the mic from uh, you know the, the honorable Terry Kent. But no, in that you know, as growing up and and of course you know not having you know all the money in the world where we could run down to the store and and, and buy one of the you know, uh, the belts. Now you go to Walmart and you can see, they, you know, have WWF belts. We used to take a piece, we'd take a box, then we'd take a shoebox top, and we would cut it out, uh, you know, the shape of the United States, and then we would get tinfoil. You know, Mama would be hollering, stop wasting my tinfoil. And we would take tinfoil and we would tape it to a belt. 
And then that's when we and we you know Christmas she'd you know buy us robes, you know so we'd have and that's what we'd walk around the house and we'd have our bathrobe on and then we'd take the belt. My brothers are now you know we you know two of us would be the, the U.S. tag team champ and one of us would be the world champ and we would have the belts and we'd lay them across and stand and do interviews, you know. And so you know and the people said what and I go yeah man you know don't don't you know don't hate us because we were creative and that's what we had to do. But in that when when the, when I when I talk about wrestling. I'm talking in the, in the 70s. When it started, when, when like Ric Flair comes on the scene, um, my favorite, one of my favorite tag teams was Wahoo McDaniels and Paul Jones. I mean, when those guys came on the scene, talk talk about that. I mean, you're the wrestling guy, so I'm, I'm coming to you. Talk about what, when did you start seeing that shift from what I call the, you know, the Ric Flair, the young Ric Flairs, Wahoo McDaniels, Tim Woods, uh, Black Jack Mulligan, you know, Rufus R. Freight Train Jones, all those guys. When did you start seeing that shift? And, and, and when did you know that, you know what, this is going to be bigger than I ever thought it would be? That opened so many different doors. Well, so which way to go? The doors open. Um, I think wrestling, in one way, people would say it's bigger today than ever, but it's actually a lot, lot smaller, even though it looks big time on TV now. Mm-hmm. In the old days, there were as many as 30-some territories where matches, including, um, I wrote an article the day, it's kind of like the day I found out about Santa Claus. Um, I found out that wrestling wasn't real. I kept believing that it was. And Augusta Expo had their first matches ever right here in Fishersville, Virginia. And I was managing a motel on top of the mountain. And I came back. And the guys up there were telling me, oh, weren't the matches great last night? And they were telling me the winners. And I said, oh, y'all were there. I didn't see you. They said, no, we weren't there. Um, A bunch of wrestlers stopped for gas on top of the mountain. And while they were there, I think it was Tommy Young, the the referee, his his, uh, (laughs) paper flew out the door, and they kind of snuck it into their pocket. And... They kept teasing me about something they had was, I, I mean, I thought it was something like, you know, a top U.S. secret or something, United States government secret, and but it was that important to me. Um, it was actually, they finally sold it to me for $5 because they knew they could get some money out of me. <laughs> it showed the next week of matches, three nights a week. This is what I'm leading back to how big wrestling used to be, though it looks like it's big now. It's actually smaller now. Um um, it showed the next one week of wrestling for Jim Crocker promotions and three different nights per uh, three different matches per per night showing the wrestlers the referees who was gonna win and how my heart was broken happy sad all at the same time I knew the truth but it was a sad truth right that I, I, I used to the way I finally reasoned in my mind before I knew this this existed all the the lesser matches they're Right. They're 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 rigged, but the real ones no, they're they're really good and they really hate each other and and uh, uh, they they really fighting to win. And then I found this <laughs> found this uh, booking sheet of Jim Crocker Promotions and it showed every match how they was going to win and everything. And wow. I said, my my my, look what I got here. And I've got about twenty copies of it in my house right now. Make sure I never lose it. And. Uh, Somebody probably offer me some big money for it someday, but uh, now you now correct me if I'm wrong. You have that in the article. 
Do you have a? Uh, it's a, one of the articles I've written. Okay. Many many articles for uh, my group. I forgot to advertise it. Pro Wrestling Historical Society. We have close to 34,000 members on Facebook, and we also have a national, uh, global presence on, um, uh, on, a re- on a regular website. And you go there, look up Terry Kent articles, and you will see, I don't know how many I've got on there, 30, 50 articles, I don't know how many. And, um, and one of the articles is, is about that. Yeah, because I, I know when cause Terry actually shared an article and I had a chance to, to go through it, and I was like, and I was like, what? And then I saw that car, and I was just like, are you kidding me? You know, because that, and that's the thing. I actually saw a, a pretty good uh, uh, interview with uh, not an interview, excuse me. It was like, I guess a documentary of Andre the Giant. Uh, it was it was you know it was kind of mixed emotions. It was you know good to be able to go back and see him and how it started and and didn't realize the you know the the demand that was on his life and and the travel and as big of a guy as he was. Uh, of course, you know, going to Japan and, you know, it really didn't have, a, you know, didn't have really first class. So he didn't have to, you know, occupy two seats. And, uh, you know, from a bathroom standpoint, he couldn't fit in the bathroom on the aircraft. So they had to put up a sheet and a bucket and he stood up and used the, you know, bathroom on the plane that way. I mean, so it was, you know, and it was just talking about. Not all you know, glamour. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and the struggles and, you know, just how people. Uh, you know, really, you know, you know, we kind of picked at him. And then one thing I call out what I thought was pretty amazing was uh, he was the guy. He always stepped over the top rope <laughs> to come into the ring. And then I remember, I can't remember who he was wrestling, but the guy did the same thing. And he kind of, you know, he he was offended by it because that was his that was his uh, protocol. That was his the way, you know, that was his iconic move. Uh, then the guy was running out and he passed Jim McMahon. He said, you know, where you going? He said, he's about to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> he he was taking it to that level just because he was like, you know what, I'm on, I'm the only guy that steps over the top rope and then come in the ring, and now you're going to do it, and you don't think I'm going to stand here and, and beat the daylights out of you. But you know what, that, and I guess I was kind of that way too, Terry, and you, you know, just talking about the, you know, you're finding out there's no no Santa Claus, but then, you know, you find out that the wrestling's not, you know, it's fake. You know, people are like, man, that's fake. I don't care. Saturday night at 1130, I'm tuning in to WREL, you know, TV5 out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and they would get in there, and the interviews they would be doing, man, and just how these guys would get so amped up. It was just absolutely and it was the highlight of the week because it was Saturday night at 11.30, and it was nothing. And we were talking about this before the show, and I'm, I'll call this out because I think Terry had the opportunity a couple months ago and, uh, to spend some time with this guy. But Ricky Steamboat uh, was actually watching that, that night on WRL when he won the TV belt, I think, for the first time in his career. You know, what, I mean, because everybody loved you know, Ricky Steamboat. And then him and Rick Flair used to have some battles, and then I know those guys were here locally, not too far, you know, not too long ago. And Terry had his front row seat, and and so t- t- tell us about that as you see these guys when they were in the heyday. Now you go back to an event, and of course, you know, they're just like everybody else, and everybody that's on this on this podcast, you know, they they starting to show their age. So let's talk a little bit about you know how you know as as you as you are a a, uh, a wrestling guy for life. And you see these guys at the pinnacle. Now you you go in this event and they come in and some of them are busted up. Just just what what runs through your mind when you see guys like that? It is sad. Ricky Steamboat's the exception. I actually shot a video that night from the front row. I shot a video where he got just a little segment. You know, I mean, it was all set up for him to look good, but he looked good. He's he's always owned uh, bodybuilding uh, places, gyms, 
and he still looks great. He's 63, 65 years old. He's one of the few that is still in good shape mm-hmm. and probably still go tomorrow. Most of them, I got to talk to J.J. Dillon recently twice. He was there back-to-back in, locally here and got to talk to him and all and gave him one of our Pro Wrestling Historical Society T-shirts. And um, um, he never had a physique. He'll tell you that. But as he gets older, he just gets rougher and rougher. It, it's sad. Ric Flair died. They did that great documentary about him on ESPN and he actually died for a few seconds, and he brought him back, and they didn't think he was going to live. He was in a coma for, I don't know, 10 days, 14 days. And, um, um, you know, he, he really showing his uh, age, and, and uh, especially when he comes to his top of his head, he can't uh, wave the golden locks like he used to. And uh, it's sad, but on the other hand, it's just a joy to be in their presence. That's why they still sell out places. Right. That's why they still, you know, they draw a crowd. I mean, here locally... We've had two sold-out shows every year, uh, probably 1,500 people or 2,000 people, and um, they're they're not paying $10 a ticket anymore. Uh, front row tickets are $125, and uh, second row is $100. The promoter has uh, found a good thing, and he's going with it, and uh, <laughs> and it, it's good for him, but it's good for the bring wrestlers in also. And uh, I went all the way to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to see two icons. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them right off. You, you, well, you've seen Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, sure. But the original Sheik, who used to carve people's heads up with uh, uh, pencils, it, it was really edifying. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but those those two guys, uh, Sheik was around 65 years of age. It was one of his last times he was going to be wrestling, and they were both famous for. Not wrestling, but for just hardcore wrestling. And I normally don't like that, but they were two icons. And it, them being on the card alone got me and a friend of mine here from uh, Stanton to go all the way up to Philadelphia to see the matches. And uh, the match lasted about three minutes because of their age. But then they went five minutes through the whole crowd, and everybody's just eating it up. It was fantastic. And uh, But uh, it is said that the wrestlers, you know, um, Bobby Fulton, uh, that's not it. Bobby Eaton, excuse me. Wow. He he got to visit my video store when I when we were talking about managing video store. I got to eat with him, sat right next to him at uh, Outback in Waynesboro, and one of the nicest people in the whole world. And ever since I've been looking into him, everybody says the exact same thing. But it's so sad. Even that night, he's got so bad a heart situation that his medicine makes him sweat profusely. I mean, he is sweating dropping off of him every second it's it's sad to see that when you right. see him suffering and uh but they keep wrestling some of them because there's no other reason to live no other reason to make money or a way to make money and it's sad when they go on as long as they want to the rock and roll express have been a tag team for like 40 some years now and they're still wrestling several uh, probably two times every weekend at least but they like it they right. still like they still enjoy it but some of them are out there like Bobby Eaton, and, and when he gets a chance, he can physically do it. And, and a lot of the other wrestlers are just doing it just to make eke out a living. Right. And uh, that's that's why they try to sell as much as they can off their tables and stuff like that. Wow. Hey, folks, so you're hearing, again, right here on Basketball Morning Game, we have Mr. Terry Kemp. All right, folks, we are back on. And just, again, just took a quick little uh, segment break right there. And as we transition into the next segment, is entitled In the Paint. 
for you basketball folks, you know what that means. And when you get down in the paint, you better make sure you got your big boy shoes on, your big pants, because uh, that's where the, that's where it battles and and how it gets down. So, but listen, you know we you know a lot of things that we've been talking about. We'll get back into that in a in minute. But again, you can make sure you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Facebook, Lionfish Entertainment, and also my Facebook page. And then, of course, we'll give uh, Terry at the end as we start closing out. Uh, because we'll actually get this to him so he can get it uploaded on his uh, wrestling information pages and the society. So, again, it'll be open uh, to everybody. So, again, we just certainly appreciate him taking out time. And, and as we continue to the, the, just talking about the you know the great sport of wrestling, and you know, just think about it. And it's just, you know, we were talking about, you know, how these guys make those transition and their health is declining. You know, same thing with football. You know, you look at, you know, all of the sports, basically a lot of contact sports. It physically, how physically demanding it is on those individual bodies. Uh, you know, the league, you know, they're dealing with concussions. You know, a lot of basketball players, you know, they're dealing with knee. Well, matter of fact, I, you know, just call it out what it is. You know, most of the old, the older guys, you know, every time you see them, they got on suits, uh, but they got on sneakers because they just can't wear those, you know, hard-bottom shoes. And, you know, they wear a lot of the sneakers just because their feet or their knees uh, are, you know, really takes a toll on their body. So that's the that's the tough thing about it. So when you look at guys like, you know, we called out, you know, Ric Flair, you look at Ole and Gene Anderson. I mean, I'm just thinking about a guy when I was growing up, you know, when I was 11, 12 years old, you know, these guys were at the pinnacle. There was nothing like, you know, the Road Warriors. There was nothing like the, the Four Horsemen. You had Lex Luger and, and they beating up the guys and throwing them in the broom closet and making the switch. And all of a sudden there was a new horseman. You know, and then I remember my grandmother, you know, she, you know, Tim Woods was, oh no, Johnny Weaver. That's who it was. Johnny Weaver was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, you'd be out in the yard and she'd be yelling at the television just like, you know, somebody was in the house, you know, trying to take the TV, you know, unplug the TV and run down the run down the street with the chicken wings and cornbread, you know. But, yeah, she was a huge, huge wrestling fan. But, you know, it's just, you know, everybody, you know, everybody has their their thing and to be able to, you know, allow play to let let us recreate itself, you know. And again, you know, Terrence Dale is wrestling, you know. So that's why we just want to be able to highlight that. And again, basketball more in the game is just, you know, the title of our podcast. And we've had people on from all walks of life. We talk about all sports. I mean, it's just a privilege that to be able to sit across the mic from a a, a gentleman that that has the the wealth of knowledge that he has. Uh, so you know, if if you look in, you know, not if it's when you listen to this podcast. And you definitely want some more information. We'll definitely have that information out so you can get in touch with uh, Brother Terry, uh, so he can uh, lead you down that path. So Terry, I'm going. What I'm going to do? I'm going to toss it back over to you. If you have any more comments or anything else you want to call out uh, in reference to the wrestling scene before we move segue into our next session. Uh, you were talking about people getting um, sicker and all. Christine Anderson's passed away. Ole Anderson is real sick these days. He's always been known as a grumpy guy, but he's even grumpier because he's he's really sick. And uh, Lex Luger, he was there recently with the Four Horsemen when I was had my picture taken with them and all. And um, he's in a wheelchair now, uh, part of it from steroids, part of it for different reasons. And um, it takes it takes a toll after a while. Um, um, What's on my heart, and um, we see yes, where sir. you want to go with it, is um, something I said earlier, and it seems like it's coming back up in me several times here, um, about how our life intersects with people, and then later on it makes a difference, and we don't even realize it was going to ever happen. Uh, I was just thinking while we were taking a break there that when I was uh, 16 years old, I wrote a letter to a 
the, um, the Valley Four and Linda a gospel quartet, telling them how much I really liked them. You know, could you take on a teenager um, to uh, sing with you some solos maybe or something? I said, I just, you guys really impressed me. And I, you know, just, uh, you know, I appreciate you putting, uh, making an impression on my life and, and, and uh, influence. And little did I know, two years later, Charlie would leave the group, Charlie Props, and he invited me to be his first lead singer. Seasons of Life came, and I ended up going off to college, so I was only his lead singer practicing for about three months, and we had like one concert. But little did I know, back in, then that was uh, around 74, um, about 10 years later, I became part of the Crestmen. They were only a full-time group for a year and a half. And uh, they brought in three guys from Sacramento, California, and we became full-time, and I came off the road. I was actually just supposed to fill in until they found a lead singer. I just love gospel music my entire life. And, um, in fact, when I was at home as a teen, my parents would go away. I'd put gospel albums on, and I would sing louder than that. That's one reason, <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of have a loud voice. Uh when I choose to, and uh, that's how I came about because the albums would be playing as loud as they could on the record player, and I would be singing louder. Luckily, the neighbors must didn't hate too much. I never had a complaint, so I guess it was all right. <laughs> and uh, but I was with the Crestman, and it was purely political, but it sounds good. I we got to sing at Rick Sumbar's Cathedral tomorrow. I, I thought that place was beautiful. I got to sing in front of as many as twenty thousand people. I've sang in front of. As, I had spoken uh, smaller groups as five before in Cleveland, Tennessee. and um, But the Lord just blessed us. We took a song that was made famous by the Oak Ridge Boys, Elvira, and someone rewrote it, and it was called Go Jonah. And, um, um, and because our publisher uh, recommended us, nominated us, we were considered for a Grammy Award in 1985. It's purely political, but it looks good on a resume. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? Yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> but then people, when they really get to know me, they don't. They see how little I know about singing, so then you know it just ruins everything. But uh, but uh, I enjoy singing. And um, when I was 18, I was in a quartet that uh, went to Watermelon Park in Berryville, Virginia, right outside of Winchester. We'd only been together like four months, and there were 30 quartets there in a contest, and we finished number four, and we'd only been together three or four months. It just I, I call it the Lord. I just He just favors you, and um, everything I've touched, He's just been so fantastic. Uh, so my connection, Charlie Props, I wrote him a letter, age 16, said, I'd like to sing with you. Uh, Twelve years later or so, we were being considered for a Grammy Award. Uh, there used to be a pastor right around the corner from this church, uh, James Durrell, who pastored the Church of God locally right here, right off 11, and I knew him. I started traveling nationally. He invited me. He became the chaplain at Cook County Jail in Chicago. Uh oh. Little did I know, Woo. I would be the first person to ever hold revival in the largest jail in America, Cook County Jail. <laughs> it was really interesting. Um, instead of just being able to speak, uh, we allowed them to raise their hand and actually ask questions during my message. It was different. I'd never seen it, never done it since. Um, but during the day there, I got an education. Uh, I found out that certain judges can be bought for $10,000. That was back in those years, the early 80s. And also, one guy was telling me, um, Terry, 
they, they got me in here for diamonds and uh, being stolen, and I'll, I'm going to probably go to prison a few years, but they don't know where it is, and I do, and I can wait them out, and somewhere <laughs> down the road, I got all these diamonds waiting on me. I mean, I'm just a naive guy from Waynesboro, Virginia, and I never knew, you know, I thought I'd heard about judges being able to be bought. Certain guys told me how for $10,000 I can, I can get off, you know, and that just I, that struck me how unfair that was and stuff and all. I just, I'm just very naive and gullible, and, and but these guys, they were mostly my age. I was right out of college, and um, it was just like talking to somebody my age. And so here it is, I knew James... Um, Darrell, when he was a pastor here locally, many years later, here it is. He opened the, he was the intersection for me, uh, the catalyst to let me have the first revival ever in the largest jail in America. Um, it was such a blessing. I went home every night on cloud 21. Um, article that I sent you before our meeting recently uh, was about a national game that I had considering pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my when I was 13 years of age, my seventh grade history teacher, Mr. Hullett, taught me how to invent sports games since I loved all sports. And he showed me with a couple deck of cards how you could end up having pretty interesting statistical games. I ended up having games on football, baseball, um, bowling, golf. I tried everything worked, but roller derby i can never get roller derby to work (laughs) just couldn't get them figure out how to get them out on those jams or not get them out on those jams but um went from that um inventing games including a wrestling game i invented uh this is after uh i wish my mom was around to tell you Uh, she passed on but i ended up getting a shoebox you were talking about shoeboxes earlier and i would uh get a shoebox put a nice big uh desk lamp over top of it to make it look like uh, ringside lights and uh i'd have my all-star wrestling matches in my shoebox with my with my army men my my cowboys and indians and i i became the world's greatest wrestling announcer you know it was just fun and i used to use the mask the masking tape to put on people's faces so i could be masked for mass wrestlers okay. red crayons would look really good on a white mask for blood it was really great and then how the mask would get partly torn off and then they come back next week with a brand new mask and so i went from there to the next step was um, making my charts even more interesting i thought and you could i made it different ways where you could have just take your time to like you and me just playing a match together. Or if you wanted to get a whole bunch of game, um, matches in, you could do hundreds of them in an hour. And I ended up inventing a game after I had done it for my own pleasure, where I had thousands of wrestlers around the world divided up in regions and little regions and managers and mass wrestlers and unmasked wrestlers. I was the great, I was the great Vince McMahon of the world then. I'm way ahead of time. And um, from there, I ended up getting a national... Uh, a game released um, one of my favorites Fred Blassie uh, met me in Pennsylvania broke kayfabe completely by in those days you never a bad guy never acted good in front of the crowd because that would take away from his persona he was a dirty wrestling manager up in for WWF in those days I think and um, but he he just knew me as uh, a minister and 
but in front of everybody. And everybody was waiting in line. And Fred Bless, he saw me and my friends in line. He said, come in, come on in, Rev, come on in. Everybody was looking at me, who is this guy? And then right in front of everybody in the bleachers and all, here, get the Rev a good seat. Get the Rev a good seat. Here's the dirty manager. And everybody's saying he's, you know, he's not acting normal at all. And so that was kind of fun, that him breaking kayfabe just for me and all. And he agreed to be my uh, spokesman and uh, for TV and for uh, magazine ads and all. And um, But I decided uh, the Lord moved on me, and I went back on the road full-time again. And he understood. He never treated me bad. Uh, I did have a game, though, I'd put out before he had signed the contract, and it was exciting. Um, I probably broke even at the, at the best, but it was exciting to get uh, families and kids uh, buying my game from all over the United States and um, from just one wrestling ad, uh, ad in a wrestling magazine. And so Mr. Hollett teaching me how to do sports games at age 13 led to me having a national pro wrestling game. It's all about connection, and that's, you know, um, which could lead me easily here. I knew Pastor Ray Eppert as a friend. Uh, we used to play um, computer and tabletop sports games. Mm-hmm. Never dreamed I'd ever set foot in this church. Never, I had no idea. And things change. The Lord moves different ways. Things happen in life. And I ended up here and attending here for many years. And uh, I've attended here probably 25 plus years. And I always say they got so desperate about 10 years ago, they couldn't find anybody else, so they hired me. <laughs> and um, it's, it's exciting to be here now. You know what? So, folks, you know, so stop asking questions and wonder why. And as you've heard nothing uh, nothing better but uh, Terry Kent over the last few minutes just, you know, summarizing the things that uh, he's put his hands to and just how the Lord has continued to bless him uh, in every phase. So, you know, think about it. It's not every day that you get... Uh, you in you sit down. You create a game, uh, and and it's sold across the United States on the sport that you love. You know a lot of things. You know a lot of times people, and I'm gonna call this out. And if the shoe fits, put it on. Uh, you know a lot of times. And here's my call out. You know you, we enjoy sports, but my challenge to you today is, you know what what have you given back to the sport you, that you love? You know, is it your time? And you walk up, and, you know, if you're a parent, you know, you go to your coach and say, hey, coaches, you know, what, what can I help you with this season? Um, you know, same thing. You know, the coaches are giving back. The players are giving back. So I uh, just always like to challenge people to, you know, whatever you do, you know, how do you, you know, pay it forward? How do you keep the, keep the passion alive just like we do the podcast? So my goal is to find some young guy coming in behind me once I'm able to walk away from the mic. Uh, to be able to, you know, pick up the mantle and, and rock and roll with that. So, listen, as we get ready to say way right on into the next segment, well, I got to toss out this uh, these, this fine organization, which is Act Sports. Uh, so, any for your recreational sports needs, you know, go to our uh, website at playactsports.com. Uh, right now, registration, uh, if I want to make sure I say this right, I think registration is closed for track and also wrestling. Uh, it was our first year with wrestling, our second year with track, but it is a dynamic sports program uh, based right here in uh, Stanton, Virginia at Victory Worship Center, and that is Axe Sports uh, for your you know, and recreation needs. So go to the website at www.playaxsports.com for your recreation sports needs. And it's just not about sports. We, we really work on the whole individual. 
the fullness of the human being, and, and as I refer to them as their student athlete. So, listen, we get ready to roll into the, uh, the segment in the paint, and as we talked about earlier. So, we're going to talk about, you know, spend a little bit of time on what Terry does, his day to day, his passion, how he helps, you know, the ministry. And again, I've been here 14 years, and I say here 14 years, being in the um, here, uh, Victor Worship Center for 14 years, and they came in from a mega church in Atlanta. Uh, and, and and that's a, and here's the thing for me personally, you know, is it, you know how can you get fed coming out of a, you know, a, a huge city as Atlanta, and, you, and you're sitting there, and and I would hear our pastor speak on Sunday, you know, that's the late Bishop Long, and and I'd hear everybody from T.D. Jakes to Rod Paul. I mean, every Sunday you would always tee it up and, and hear the finest and the great singing and. But then you come here, and, and it's in on a smaller scale. But, you know, the, the Lord blessed us to be able to come here and, and find just a dynamic ministry uh, that we love, and, and we work very hard to, to help fulfill the passion. But Terry is on staff here, and I'm going to go ahead and toss it back over to him and, and let him share with you uh, what uh, on his heart. Recently, Pastor Eppert was talking to me. I know I sound like I'm only 13 or 15 years old, but we were actually talking about in the future about retirement and what our plans are and you know how much staying involved and 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 i said there's no church that i know of that i would rather be belonging to that as far as i'm concerned it's the most exciting place to be i know i'm a little prejudiced but uh it's the most exciting place to be um 33 uh, of our church is roughly ages zero nursery to age 18. i don't know many churches can say that in fact most churches act like they don't want youth anymore or children anymore and that's you know um, our vision is mainly for our children for our teens besides everyone else and it's exciting to be a part of a church that's young and keeps you young um it's it's great to have you know it's like 200 young people here every sunday morning or so worshiping god and learning more about god and um acts it's grown from roughly around 40 people four years ago or so so this year, I think we'll be approaching 900 people. I mean, that's exciting. It's it's starting to uh, really make us uh, really kick it into the next gear to think about what we're going to be doing for the future. Um, our another one of our big goals is it's exciting that we're about we're right on the edge to make a big difference in the country of Haiti, and and we're looking forward to being successful there and that already um, organizations are looking toward us as a template of being successful in Haiti and if it works there that we can take it to so many other countries that we're planning on opening up several businesses there that will help the local economy it's not just going in there um, if I may just preach for a second so, so many people have uh, gone in there and have revivals and and they'll have the stadiums full but when they're gone, nothing else really happens. If people get, just get saved uh, 50 times over, and they're still facing unemployment. And um, every every time we've gone down to Haiti, I haven't personally, but the pastor and ministry and we, our young people have been down there several times, and they always say our biggest need is jobs. And so we've, I guess we finally heard that in, with our ears and with our heart. And so we're beginning laying the groundwork so that we can do something for Haiti which I believe without a doubt this will lead to more of a worldwide ministry but not the kind you usually hear about in the news or anything like that 
uh, our church, um, we, we have a saying, we're a little different, but the difference is good. Amen. I, I, I like it for that reason. We, we are different. We're a regional church. I'm not saying we're better. I'm just saying that's our calling. That's our... That's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to listen to God for us. Each church needs to listen for themselves. We're not better than the other churches on the around the corners or wherever. We just got to do what God lays in our heart. So many um, programs for church leadership. It's all about um, you know follow this way. You know, um, but we we believe without a doubt it's finding God's plan for our church and then fulfilling it and doing it. And so that's what we attempt to do. And so. I day to day I work in the finances for the most part, and uh, and also and I work I go to nursing homes and and the hospitals and, and more pastoral care I guess it would be called, but um, it's exciting to be part of this church that I I think there's no other church like it so. You know what, folks, and uh, not just saying it because I'm sitting across the mic uh, from him, uh, but I've experienced it you know firsthand for the last 14 years and the tremendous. You know, growth, the tremendous vision. Uh, and, and, and and I put it to you this way. We feel the weight uh, of the ministry. Uh, and, again, when I say to feel the weight of the ministry, because, you know, the the, the body of Christ is, is the body. It's not the pastor. Uh, it's not just, you know, one or two people. And you have to feel the weight. So when you get the same thing on your job, my challenge to you, and if you're part of a sports program, you know, you need to feel the weight of that program. You, know, you need to do all that you can do in, in order to make that program flourish. And that's what, you know, Terry is, he's pouring out his heart. You know, same thing with, you know, the, the, the Haiti missions. You know, that that's a huge impact. Actually, I did a, we did a live show last week, and I had a couple of guys that I've met in Haiti. Actually, you know, they joined on, you know, via Facebook uh, and was and dialed into the live podcast that we did uh, last week talking about the NBA Finals. So it was great to see them on. Uh, same thing that Terry talks about. You know, we're, we're more than just a local church on the corner because, you know, now we're doing Facebook Live. So we have people from all over, you know, tuning in to our Sunday morning messages. So if you're looking for a great church home uh, and, you, you know, looking for something a little bit different, you may want to check us out, and that's at 200 Hammond Lane. Uh, and that's Stanton, Virginia, and that's Victory Worship Center and World Outreach. And Pastor Ray Eppert uh, is the senior pastor here. So, you know, we just uh, just appreciate Terry, you know, calling that out. So, listen, as we start to wind this show down, and just like we always say, we just want to thank everybody, you know, for your continued support. You know, we can't do it without you. If you're not listening, you're not uh, subscribing, you're not liking us, and you're not sending out, you know, hey, Coach, I want to hear about this, I want to hear about that. So it's always open. You know, shoot us an email, you know, uh, shoot me a text or uh, whatever. Uh, hit me on Facebook so we can make sure that we are trying to get if, if we don't have that person we'll look them up and, and I'm through a serious curveball at you today not thinking that we're going to be talking about pro wrestling but we have none other than the guru uh, Dr. Terry Kent sitting across from me so before we sign off I'm going to toss it over to Terry for his closing comments and whatever's on his heart Terry it's been a pleasure uh, coach Never knew this was coming either uh, a couple days ago. and uh, But it's been a pleasure, and I just can't help but sense um, this message is for someone. Your dreams can come true. Believe in it. Don't let them go. Also, be good to, to the people that come across to intersect your life. It's, think about the percentage of how many people actually intersect your life. It's, it's so infinitesimal. And um, 
but many of them are there for your future, and you never know. We can learn from everyone. Um, one thing, I love people, and I think everybody's life story is a book, is a movie. I think everyone's interesting, interested, interesting, and I think um, we should really get beyond the surface with people and be a true friend and um, and it, stop being shy. Just ask people about themselves. They, most people enjoy talking about themselves. And uh, once they realize you really care, I probably heard it every week at Rama Bible Training Center at least once. People don't care how much you know until they know that you care. And um, that's so important. And uh, just go out there and touch someone's life. Uh, fuel someone's dream. And realize the people around you one day, I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm not talking about using people. I'm just talking, I'm talking about God-ordained people being brought into your life for a purpose. And it'll all come to pass. Thanks for having me, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, folks, you know what the, You know what time it is. I got to get out here and get this gym floor cleaned up and get ready for this next, uh, next fast break session. But, you know, before we leave, I always got to hit you with the uh, – Scripture verse, and that's John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So listen, like we always challenge you, make sure you make a difference, make sure you do something, and make sure you're impactful in somebody's life. So until next time, I'm your host, Coach Goins, and I'll see you in the gym.